Super Talk Mississippi media production. In the Mississippi Legislature, House Bill 728 funds health care for illegal immigrants. Call your legislator today at 601-359-3770. Ask them to stop House Bill 728. It's not too late. You can help stop this. Paid for by Building America's Future. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes. In a Mississippi Minute. That's right. Hey, coming to you from the Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studios. I'm Steve Azar. You're in a Mississippi Minute. Want to know what it's like to share the stage with legends such as Aretha Franklin, Frank Sinatra, Wilson Pickett, Whitney Houston, Bo Diddley, and even Bill Murray. Yes, I've seen it. Today's guest has done just that. As well as stints back in the day with the New York Society Orchestras of Lester Lannon and Peter Duchin. One insanely talented musician I too have shared the stage with and felt the presence of his greatness. So let's get it on right now and welcome to In a Mississippi Minute, the soulful Denny LaRue. What's up, Denny? Hey. Boy. What's going on? I did a lot of stuff, I guess. Well, I, I, look, I could have taken four Mississippi minutes introducing you, but I have to, you know, I have to, to give you the edited version. How you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You know, I'm in, a, in another chapter. You know, got a recording studio and doing all kinds of stuff. It's, when we built the studio, I, I, I was hesitant because, I mean, so many people can make, you know, you can make great records in your house on a laptop. Right. But... I left out the part where they don't have uh, a big, beautiful acoustic piano and uh, real drums and Neumann mics and all that. Right. So we've been super busy. It's working out great. So you're in Jacksonville, right? Or the area? Yeah, yeah. Atlantic Beach, which is, yeah. So uh, people come record here, you know, we spend a day on the beach and the afternoon, the evening making records. Sounds horrible. Just sounds miserable. It's terrible. Yeah. It's awful. It's miserable. It's <laughs> All right. So, what's the name of your studio? Because uh, I, I lose my mind sometimes. You've told me so many times. Storm Music Studio. Perfect. Any, any significance to the word storm? Uh, yeah. We were here to do a, a big uh, uh, event for a museum for the Jennifer Johnson, the Johnson and Johnson Johnsons. I used to work for a lot of people like that. Right, right. So, there's no. And we came to do this big party, and the rest of the band didn't make it because they were stranded in New York. I got you. <clears throat> Storm of the century. And uh, so I met this woman who was signing the checks, and uh, hmm. we hit it off. We were talking. So I was stranded here for four days, and we couldn't go anywhere. That's and crazy. so I called her up. I said, I was the only person I knew here. But, hey, you want to have dinner? 
so we hung out, we hooked up, and it was great. And uh, we ended up, you know, I met, we ended up getting married. <laughs> next year, be tw- next year, be twenty five years. Wow! And uh, so the name of our country, I mean, our country, the name yeah. of our company. Yeah. Is Storm of the Century music? Wow! So, and then Storm Studios. <laughs> Who would have thought? Isn't it funny how your life takes a turn? Uh, it's just it's 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 almost it's written probably I imagine before I, keep, I always think that maybe that we do things along the way that uh, that we get to crossroads and we have decisions that we make and that those that we could alter it a little bit but that just seems like so meant to be. Uh, and I'm yeah. not going to get too philosophical, but even the way I met my wife, we uh, the bus, my trucks left. Uh, I'd already spent the spent a little time with her that weekend, and and uh, the trucks had left and taken the keys to my vehicle. So we had two 30 foot trucks and the road crew and all that. And this was back in the late 80s, and uh, and they took it, uh, and and they were already two hours down the road <laughs> when I realized oh. I didn't have keys to get back. <laughs> And a five and a half, five hour drive, six hour drive, whatever back then on those roads. And so uh, anyway, they had to come back. So I said, well, I'll just call her and just have lunch. And it was that lunch probably that propelled us to forever. Isn't that crazy? Oh, crazy. Oh, no, yeah, I totally get it. Wow. So anyway, we're talking to Denny, Denny LaRue. He's an incredible musician. Denny, you talk Jimi Hendrix. Tell me how the how that all went down. You you talk about being at the same place at the same time. But I've I've played with you, the first time I ever was on stage with you, I felt your presence. I was like, oh my gosh, who is this? You know, like, it was amazing because you just you just dug in and just got it. I felt like we had played together for 10, 20 years. It felt like an old shoe. You know what I'm saying? And uh, Absolutely. And yeah. so you have that innate ability uh, to adapt to artists. I've, known, I've just yeah. noticed that about you. So how did you and Hen- Hendrix go down? Well... Uh, you know, when I was a kid, um, you know, I grew up in New York, so uh, a lot of the bands at the time were, you know, I, you know, I, everybody wanted to be James Brown at the time or Elvis, one, you know, one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Jimmy was, uh, we were playing uh, together. There was a club in, in New York called the Lighthouse, and it was, uh, it was one of those places that. Open. It was open pretty much all day, and it was uh, on the Upper West Side on Seventy Something Street. And um, you know how sometimes your your mind takes a picture of a moment. You know, not unlike what you mentioned about your wife. You know, your your mind. You're going to have that. So there was a night. One night we were playing at the at the Lighthouse. Jimi Hendrix was playing with Curtis Knight and his blues band, and I was playing with Harvey K and the Larks, which was a uh, Harvey Kay was actually Brenda K. Starr's dad. Mariah Carey was one of her background singers. So we're at the stage, and we're, we're you know we're doing the deal, and we all we play a lot together, and then we would go out as different things. I played with Wilson Pickett at the same time as uh, as Jimmy also, and there was a uh, Willie Nelson came in, and a lot of people don't know, but Willie Nelson wrote a lot of you know, really cool R&B songs. And he came, I remember the night, he came in, he was wearing kind of a suit. He had short hair. Yeah, he used to have short and, hair and wear a suit back in the days of the early records. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. And he, Joe Hinton, had just recorded Funny. You know, well, hello there. My, it's been a long, long oh, yeah. time. And Willie really was all excited about it. And, you know, and everybody talked about the Joe Hinton note at the end that no one could sing. You know? <laughs> and um, it was him, me, Jimi Hendrix, and all these, like, icon people that, at the time, really weren't anybody. You know, well, Willie was starting to make it, but uh, wow, it, it was that kind of thing. You know, so when I meet people here in 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 the South, you know, and they'll say they ask me that question, "How'd you get to play with all those guys?" And I said, "Well, one guy in particular here, he he played with the Allman Brothers and Leonard Skinner and Molly Hatchet and all that." I said, "The same way you did that, geography. If yeah. you were able to do the gig." And this is what was going on where you were. So where I was, that's what's going on. I mean, I was a house band at the Peppermint Lounge, you know, in the days of a twist in the 60s. Oh, wow. So and, I, I've and, been watching Green Book. You know, we, you know as well as I do, Peter Fairley, and, and he just won his Academy Award because they're at the Academy yeah. Shack all the time. Uh, and uh, I've watched it so many times. It's crazy. It's a brilliant. I just love the movie. And uh, oh, yeah. they talk about the Peppermint Lounge and what Tony Lip, I guess, was the character that worked the Copa. Uh, did you play the Copa? Yep. Okay. We, uh, uh, were, I got great Copa stories. <laughs> Some of them I can't tell you on what? the air. But the Copa was crazy. I mean, you know, Frank Sinatra, you know, everybody played there. You know, uh, Sammy Davis Jr. was, was amazing, you know, in the day. And uh, we used to do the lounge in the afternoon sometimes. And then, you know, Jules Podell was the guy at the Copa. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there was a bar next door that everybody hung out. Uh, you know, I actually saw people get shot in there, you know, wow. way back in the day. A lot of mob so, stuff going on? Uh, oh, yeah. Big time. That was, you know, you, uh, you paid attention to who you... <laughs> Yeah. How you how you acted, you know? Wow. So yeah, it was a long time ago. We're talking to so. Denny LaRue. He is in Jacksonville, Florida, but grew up in New York, and we're going to continue. I want to continue to talk about New York for a minute, for a minute, because it's getting me excited. You're in a Mississippi minute, rocking with you from the Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studio. Stand by. With humble beginnings, all the way back to 1943. Guarantee Bank has grown from offering the basic banking services and products to serving customers with a comprehensive, complete line of expertise and products only expected at much larger institutions. We are proud to be your local big-time bank. So when you're looking for a bank you can truly depend on and trust, and like me so many years ago trying to find my way around, let Guarantee Bank, with its 17 convenient locations, help you on your journey and become a wonderful addition to your family like they have mine for over 30 years. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. We were just two kids on the corner Highway 1 and 82 We were standing at the corner
crossroads. We both knew what I had to do. Keeping Mississippi beautiful right here on In the Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar. I'm back with Denny LaRue, incredible musician. Uh, the guitar playing, his, his fingers were born to play. You know, wh- when did it hit you? When did the bug bite you? When I was in about ninth grade in school, that was about, that was in the late 50s, I was going to be a professional baseball player. I was on the varsity baseball team when I was in middle school, you know, and uh, my dad, then I saw Elvis <laughs> on, on his Sullivan, and that was the end of my baseball career. My, father, my dad was really disappointed. He really wanted to go to Yankee Stadium and see yeah, me play. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you could get a lot more girls with a guitar than you could with a baseball bat. Yeah. And uh, at least, at least that's my. At least experience. back then, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, I started to you know play, and you know, there was a lot of doo-wop groups and stuff like that. And uh, uh, a lot of the guys that I went to high school with, uh, you know, I, I would be in the band. Like uh, Jack Douglas would be in the audience. Now, Jack Douglas, right now, I mean, he produced John Lennon, Aerosmith, Cheap yeah. Trick. He's in the Hall of Fame. You know, I still talk to him. Uh, another guy. Uh, another guy was in the audience. We, we were all kids together. It was Don Ariello, and his dad uh, wrote, I mean, drew Felix the Cat, Cast with the Ghost, Betty Boop, and he still has all that stuff. And I, I and I still talk to him too. He had a he had a successful music career. He was a big publisher, and he had a lot of hits. I think he has a record out right now, actually, Don. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it just and then it just evolved, you know. And I kept playing, and I knew that's what I wanted to do. And then um, when I started to, the first gig. In New York City, I I got with this guy Harvey K, and um, we became the house band at Trudy Heller's, which was on Eighth Street and Sixth Avenue, and it was like the height of that stuff. I mean, this is before the Beatles and stuff. You know, everybody wanted to be, you know, James Brown or, you know, that that kind of thing. And I mean, the audience at Trudy Heller's would be like Salvador Dali, you know, Judy mm-hmm. Garland, uh, people like that. Salvador Dali actually did a drawing of us that was that someday I'll see it somewhere. I actually went over to Florida to the Dali Museum and see if I could find any etchings or pencil drawings. Because yeah. the back of the menu of Trudy House, a big white menu with her picture on the front and all the food, on it, and the back was blank. And the saxophone player in our band was Ronnie Allard. His dad was Joe Allard, was a famous uh, uh, teacher, saxophone teacher at Juilliard. He taught circular breathing to John Coltrane and people like that. Man. Not to play, how to breathe. Yeah, how to breathe, which, uh, yeah, I could could have used him back in the days before vocal surgery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) circular breathing. Yeah, right. And um, uh, Ronnie, his son, Ronnie, was a saxophone player. He was a great player. And uh, he used to play uh, two saxes at once, kind of like Roland Kirk. You know, he would play like tenor on one side of his mouth and alto on the other, and he would play these harmonies and stuff and he was also a yogi he could do a lot of yoga so he would stand on his head and play two saxophones and i would come on hold the bells oh yeah and i would hold the bell of the horn and he would just be playing bap, 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 and we're playing whatever was going on at the time dolly was in the front and he goes Ugh. and he grabbed the menu and he drew that and then he wrote dolly across it and threw it on the stage and i I didn't know who he, I was a kid from Nyack. Yeah. You know what I mean? I didn't know who he, I didn't know who he was. Yeah, so I go in the kitchen with the drawing, you know, and I go to a lot of the waiters are in there, they're older guys, you know. 
I said, hey, the weird guy with the mustache drew my picture. Check it out. And it's a picture of Ronnie standing on his head playing the saxophones with me <laughs> holding the thing. And you could actually recognize us. And I put it in my case and closed the case and went back on the stage. Of course, I came back. It was gone. Yeah. <laughs> and it would be worth, I was told it would be worth like a huge amount of money oh, now. Oh, man. But someday I'll see it somewhere, I guess. You know, that with, is I mean, insane. But it goes back to the same thing. Geography. <laughs> yeah, but hey, I was there. I, I get yeah. it. You were there, but you yeah. keep talking. I love how you say you were there, but there's yeah. just knowing how great you are as a player and a performer. Okay, yeah. so let's talk about that versatility. So you're talking about all of these different styles of artists. Right. Uh, that's what I notice best about you when you're just playing with, because we do these all-star jams, right? And you're, everybody's different. And you get up right. there and you just, just kind of, it's just like you've been with everybody. So your your versatility is one thing, and, and was that just being around so many different styles of music and, and being in the room with so many, you talk about Hendrix meets Willie back in the Willie days with his suit and short hair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Peter Duchin and, and, and what a piano player, what a band leader. You know, you're talking about all of these different styles of artists. Was right. it just easy for you, or did it take a minute? I was always really good with the crowd. That's what really got me in the door. When we first played at the White House with Duchin's band, when I got into that, the whole thing, right? it was Linda Bird Johnson's wedding. So I'm standing on the stage, and we're playing away, and this guy is pulling on my coat, and I had it going. And, you know, when, people, when you realize at the White House, the politicians, regardless of what party they're in or what they do and everything, I mean, those senators and congressmen, I mean, they're not from... New York and L.A. and uh, I mean, they're from, you know, Podunk, Iowa and South right. Carolina. I mean, they, they're they're regular people, you know, they're people. They love to party. They love music. And it, was, yeah. it was so much fun. And a guy's pulling on my coat and I'm and I'm whacking him away. Man, come on. I'm uh, I'm killing it. Leave me alone. <laughs> I turn around and it's President Johnson. <laughs> and he said to me, did you play uh, Kansas City for me, my boy? I said, Yes, sir, Mr. President. And I just like, going to Kansas City, you know. And then somebody asked me later, just, what were you thinking when that happened? I said, I was thinking, I was grateful that he didn't ask me for something I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, at this point, okay, how, how old are you at this point? 76. So 76, you're a kid. Then um, when I left that, all of a sudden there was this opportunity with this society thing, which I knew nothing about. And... Um, but it paid so much more than mm -hmm. what I was making. I can make in one night what I could make in two weeks playing in a club. Wow. So I went, ooh. And all I had to do was get up there and, you know, rock the house for 20 minutes. That's it. Wow. You know, because most of the band, most of the night was, you know, in the mood and, you know, blah, 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 blah you know, that kind of stuff. And then, um, you know, and then I got to, you know, in, through that world got to do, you know, the international boat races in Rhode Island, and then you know, one night in Paris, one night in London. It freed you up to yeah. do more to other things. Not like you decided to play twenty minutes a week. That wouldn't have worked for you. That wouldn't have satisfied yeah. you. So you were able right. to do other things, uh, allow you to sort of progress. And I get it. So and travel. Yeah. I I love that that you were able to to find that gig. I can't imagine you wanting to go for twenty minutes and just that's it for the week and just drink coffee all week or you know hang out. No, no, no. You're not, but, you're and, not and that like was that. and the part that's good about that too is that it left a lot of time for me to be able to you know write songs and right. record and stuff like that. You know, so yeah, 
So, yeah, and, you know, recording sessions was a different thing, and I, I sang on a lot of jingles, too. I, I was the voice on Heineken Beer. I did uh, Hershey Bars, <laughs> uh, CoverGirl Makeup, stuff like that. When I listen to it now, it sounds like it's somebody else. Yeah, well, it is yeah, somebody but, else. We, you know, you you are you are our, what do you call the spring chicken? We're not even fall chickens, me and you. I don't even know what that means. But we're but we're yeah. getting there. But hey, we're still going. We're talking to Denny Larue. Denny, we're the birthplace of American music. I know this history that that you guys uh, were such a part of in New York in this incredible time of transition, uh, genre wise in music, everything that got got started. But it all came from we believe, uh, uh, from the birthplace of American music, Mississippi. So, you get to play DJ. Would you like to hear Bo Diddley, who you played with? And I bet you played with Albert King. I don't know, but you can only choose one of them. Uh, I didn't play with Albert King. Uh, I played with B.B. King a couple times, but uh, um, Bo Diddley. You know, Bo Diddley, he was so, he was such a nice guy. And we had the same manager for a while. Uh. And a guy na- guy's name was Marty Otelsberg. And when I saw Bo at, we were doing this, um, some gig, and it was in Palm Beach, I think, and he was the act, and it was the polo matches, so there was English royalty and stuff. And he, I looked at him, and I hadn't seen him in years, and he looks at me and he says, and I went, Marty Otelsberg, and he started to cry. <laughs> Marty, Marty had passed at that point. Uh. And he just looked at me and says, man, Marty, man, he... He was a great dude, and he was a great guy. I said, he was a great guy. Yeah. I said, I miss him, too. And Bo Diddley, so he's playing the gig, and there's this guy who was in a, uh, in a heavy metal band on the next tent over, came over, you know, like purple hair and, you know, <laughs> you know, like that. And he says, man, who's that guy? I said, Bo Diddley. He said, man, he's playing all those cliches. And I go, he is said, the yeah. cliche. There it is. I mean, half the fly you got from that guy. Get out of here. Yeah, get out of here. I love it. We're playing Bo Diddley. We're celebrating that. We're with the great Denny LaRue. We're rolling. Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studios right here. And it's only going to be better. Who do you love? Who do you love? Arlene took me by my hand. She said, who we Bo, you know I understand. Who do you love? Who do you love? The news doesn't sleep, and neither do we. Fox News Radio, late breaking, up to the minute, from around the world, around the clock. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sunny boy, they have the choice. You breathe some hell and make some noise, uh huh. He was cool as a cucumber, even in the heat of the hot Always summer. good to keep Mississippi beautiful. That's what oh, studio we are dwelling in right now. I'm Steve Azar. You're in a Mississippi Minute. I am with my man, founder of Now Storm Studios in outside of Jacksonville, Florida. He's on a beach. 
is where he's at, where they they spend their time staring at the water, making great music. And uh, I've been blessed to get to know him through the Murray Brothers event, our buddy Chris Seeley, and who brought me in back, oh my God, over 10, 12 years ago now. So every time I get to see Denny, it's a treat. Got a big smile on his face walking in. The only thing I regret is you don't come with guitar anymore. It's just sort of like, ah. You know what I mean? I said, where's uh, my man at? He just comes to yeah. hang. <laughs> True. True. Yeah. I play. You know? No, no. I I, uh, when, I, when I played with Bill, you know, he said, uh, how come you sound different than everybody? I said, because I'm not doing anything. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> I said, right. I, I don't have anything to prove. I'm just making, trying to make you. It's, it's all about the singer and the song, you know? Well, no, don't it, get in the way. you know, that's like uh, ingredients and in, in food. You just said that. And I know you talk about your dad being a chef, but the one thing I guarantee, yeah. you know, I guarantee you're a great cook. And second of all, that's a big deal to our family. We live for the live for cooking as much as I love music. I think I love the when there's great food and but less ingredients, uh, pure ingredients, whatever. I mean, let's let's don't overdo it over salt it over this over that over. Oh, yeah. yeah and that's yeah. what the magic in it. And that's how you play. So I get it. It's, yeah. it's, it's in your yeah. it's in your DNA. We're talking to Denny. I wrote a, I, Go ahead. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Denny. I wrote a I wrote a Christmas song with a friend of mine uh, uh, for a friend of mine in New Orleans, and it's called Bayou Christmas. And there's a big part of it about cooking. You know, <laughs> yeah, Mama's but... in the kitchen. You know, and yeah. it just says cooking is her natural high. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. That's it. You're gonna make me go so, to get in the car and go to New Orleans right after this. Is it not, I'll meet you there. It's not hard. It's not far. And yeah, but we just got to bring two Wawa pedals. Yeah, we do. Hey, listen. By the way, my, my guitar tech. So for people that don't know this, and Denny, you don't even know this. Back uh, when when I used to tour a lot, and I'd call it the bridge of Wawa between me and my guitar player Mark, who you've never met, an incredible guitar player, and uh-huh. and. Especially this, when we were on tour at Seeger for about 10 months, we were able to, li- I had a, like a line of was. I bet I had like seven of them lined up between me and him. And I'd go, mm-hmm. we and men, we'd go from one Y to the other. They're all broke. And I don't know what I do to YYs, but I probably have gone through, we, they're countless. We can't, but my guitar tech informed me, uh, and he's my guitar player as well now. Incredible. Chris, been with me for 20 years, said, by the mm-hmm. way, I've got all of your broken Y's at my house. It's the, the, the museum now. It's no, it's no longer the bridge of Y. I love a Y because my hands aren't fast and they don't do all this. But I've always, you know, growing up around here in the Delta, you heard a lot of Y's. And, and, and you know, it, just, it was just something that it was normal for me. So I always loved the acoustic with the Y. I felt like I sort of help help was one of the first ones to do that, and maybe I wasn't, but I love the sound of an acoustic guitar, you know, through a good. Oh yeah. A anyway, yeah, yeah. talking to Denny yeah. Larue, and I'm telling him he's probably thinking Steve, I was playing acoustic with Waz back when when you were whatever when you were diaper. <laughs> not not really. All right, Denny, take me. Okay, New York. Uh, the the musicians to me, well, the ones that you were mentored by versus that you, that you really appreciated, right? They were easy to work with versus the one that were a pain in the butt to work with. Anybody that's really, you know, full of themselves, uh, I never really, you know, got along. It was one guy in particular. I'm not going to tell you his name. Why not? He was a guitar, he was a guitar <laughs> player. Well, he's still around. Okay. He played on a lot of, played on a lot of famous records. He was the, 
is that, you know, we grew up together. And this guy, oh, my God, uh, ego, you can't, yeah. it's not, the world is not big enough. Yeah. He played at the Fillmore, and uh, the Fillmore East, and one of the things that he used to do when he, when he played, he would get up and he would put the toes of his shoes over the edge of the stage. I said, why are you doing that? He says, nobody gets in front of me. Wow. So there was a saxophone player who was really great. He was a crazy guy. And he, he, uh, he was in the band. He, he was playing. And, and he got together with the, um, uh, the stage hands, and they hooked him up to a harness, you know, and he, <laughs> they, they hooked him on. So this guy is playing this one-handed solos. He was amazing guitar player. He was a great musician. And all of a sudden, people are laughing. And he doesn't, he doesn't get what's happening. The saxophone player is flying across the stage behind him with the saxophone with his legs out. He's wearing <laughs> short pants and black socks. <laughs> and the audience was... Of course, the guy got fired right there. But guys like that, it's, it's hard to... You know, it's supposed to be... Music is supposed to be a joy, you know, it's supposed to be right. about, and it's a be about helping the other guy, you know? And, um, you know, I would always, when, at the Murray Brothers gig, you know, when I, the other band that had it before, the guys that do it now, they, they didn't have a guitar player, which was stunning to me. So he would call me, and I would come down, so I would call you, I'd call Chris Mulkey, and, I, and a couple other guys, and I'd say, okay, what do you want? You want a telly or a Strat or whatever? And I, mean, have, and I would bring a bunch of guitars, and just have them there. Yeah. Sometimes they played them, sometimes they didn't. But, yeah, it was uh, always a treat. Oh, it's about my, helping the other guy. Well, there's yeah. your, the, helping the other guy. You just said it. So engineer-wise yeah. for me uh, is, is, is where I – and musicians, as you got to – as we got to – Further along in our careers, we were able to choose who we wanted to hang around with, first of all. So you just said it all to me. I can't stand to deal with the guys with attitudes and the egos and all that. I felt right. like I felt like uh, everybody with me, I hope they felt the, that same way about me. I didn't do walk-ons. I said, guy, I, I had my percussionist, Jason, who is every bit or more entertaining than I am out front. Uh, I, you, know, you know Jason. And then I had Chris you know, or Mark, my, whatever guitar player out front. I always felt like that we were together on stage, and and it used to crack me up. I always felt like some. You talk about this guy being great, and we know there's great engineers, great musicians, great producers, great all this in our business that are successful that have big egos. But man, the ones that to me are really great are the ones that have been humbled and appreciated and appreciate everybody around them. And that's what's special oh, yeah. about you. And that's what you get when you get when I'm around you. That's the feeling I get. And that is not uh, something that uh, I didn't expect you to say. We're talking to Denny LaRue, uh, the mastermind of Storm Studios now, as he talks about another chapter in his life. I get it. When I moved back home to the Delta, um, home looked different. It felt different, but, but, it, but, it, it, was, but it felt the same, you know, uh, in, in a lot of ways. And uh, it was an important move for my family. And, and I'm a broken record to my listeners because I talk about the importance of that move for them. And then right. uh, I had to rethink my career because I had the biggest managers and the biggest agents, the biggest. And uh, and that that just when you're not around them all the time, it just you know when you're moving to a different chapter, as you said, things right. change. You know, and you got to do what's right for uh, where you are at the time. And 
and uh so that's that's it's been a blessing so it's been awesome and it's and it's i feel like i'm in sort of a new uh exciting era the last t- eight ten years of my life it's been fun you know again so right. not that i didn't have a lot of fun along the way but with it when it's now it's on your own terms uh oh yeah and you talk about being an athlete denny growing up you know i i did the same thing although I wasn't going to be a professional at anything, but I was pretty good at a lot of things. But sports teaching me uh, the how to win and how to lose. And you lose more than you win. And when you win, it's very special. It, it's like having hit records. When you finally get one, it's very special. Uh, you get beat up along the way. I felt like playing sports competitively uh, and seriously growing up, like really wanting it, helped me survive the failures along the way in Nashville where I went. You know, even back in the day, I'd go to New York. And it would be Ahmed Erdogan. He was really nice to me. I mean, I'd get to go into his office, and he was uh, uh, he was curious about me more than anything. And I wasn't ready, you know. Uh, but what a great yeah. man, and what a great experience. But it was being able to handle no, because you hand, I handled it a lot. Yeah. You're in a Mississippi minute, rocking with you from the Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studios. Stand by. all the way back in 1989 my wife and I newly married and I was working on making my mark on the music business we wanted to build a house there was only one bank that helped us do that and while we were trying to find our way around our friends at Guarantee Bank started on the journey with us and have been there ever since they were always my connection back home when we lived in Music City they believed in me so when you need a financial institution to believe in you give my family at Guarantee Bank a chance With humble beginnings all the way back to 1943, Guarantee Bank has grown from offering basic banking services and products to serving customers with a comprehensive, complete line of expertise and products only expected at much larger institutions. They are proud to be your local big-time bank. Please visit one of their 17 locations and tell them Steve Azar sent you. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. In Mississippi, beautiful, right here on In a Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar. I'm back with Denny LaRue, incredible musician. You moved to Jacksonville. Give me uh, the time it took to get to a comfortable place of going like, okay, I haven't lost my mind. Uh, I did the right thing. Uh, Without love. You can't, ha- you can't include love unless that held you long enough. But <laughs> it, it became, yeah, it was hard at first. You know, it, it was. It was, uh, you know, there's a guy that, uh, some books that I've read by uh, Mickey, Michael Singer, Mickey Singer, The Untethered Soul and some other stuff. There's one thing in there. That's really helped me a lot. And it was like, always ask yourself the question, what is your intent? And my granddaughter gave me a little saying on a sheet, and um, I have it hanging in my studio, and I look at it every day. And it says, success is not the key to happiness. Happiness is the key to success. 
So basically, my intent is to be happy. And whatever it takes to do that, that's what I'm going to do. Like when I, when I help some, like the same thing about having my my recording studio. Mm -hmm. No, so stormmusicstudio.com. And I go, okay, what is the intent? The intent is to be happy because this is what's making me happy. I love to play music. I mean, there was a kid uh, in my place and he he was uh, like movie star good looking. I mean, kill a trumpet player. Really good arranger, good singer, blah, blah, blah. Sitting in my in the studio. This is a few years ago. And he looking depressed. I said, well, you know, what, what's up? And he said, ah. I said, you're making great money here, right? You're doing good. He, yeah. I said, well, what do you want to do? And he points at the bulletin board on my, at my place with, you know, pictures of me and Michael Douglas and, you know, Bob Bo Diddley. And um, he said, I want to do that. <laughs> and I said, I was really honest with him. I said, then you got to get out of Jacksonville. I said, then you you got to go where that is. Right. He said, well, he said, you're here. I said, I already did that. Yeah. I said, no, you know, they people want to see you. You know, you're, you know, you're incredibly handsome. You're incredibly talented. You got a shot, but you got to take it in this. This is your window right here. You better, you'll either go do it or let it go. I said, look, man, I, I did that. Do I miss it? I miss, I miss the gigs in Paris. Other than that, and I miss the hang. I miss the guys. Other than that, no, I'm still playing music. And I asked the guy who's paying for it. And I said, why are you doing this? I said, yeah, believe me, I'm very happy for the business and I'm loving doing it. And you're getting a great product at the end. I said, but why are you? And he says, uh, and the guy, wealthy guy, super, super nice, owns a lot of businesses and stuff. And he said, I came up as a big band leader when I was a kid. He said, a lot of these arrangements were you know, Glenn Miller and, you know, Artie Shaw and, you know, Benny Goodman. All, he says a lot of these arrangements were things that these bands played on the road that were never recorded. And I wanted to exist before I go. Right. I go, okay. And there's one of the guys in it. His name is Bill Prince. He's unbelievable, talented guy. And he's written a lot of this music. From the, and he's been through this whole time period and all that. And they're doing a lot of his songs. And they give me all the publishing. So I'm pitching those songs for movies and TV. Right, you're doing and, that a you know, lot. You've been doing that a whole lot. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of it is very much because of the time period. You know, if a, if a director's making a movie and it takes place in 1940, he doesn't want some kid on a synthesizer making plays in 1940. Right. Unless, of course, he's Baz Luhrmann or something. But, but um, you know, it's re it's the real the Yeah, real your time, so, so that's, that's, that's perfect to me because yeah, your yeah, time yeah. invested has, has yeah. covered generations. I mean, well, yeah. generations of music, excuse me, has covered decades, but generations of genres, I guess is what I'm saying. And all oh, this yeah. time put in has allowed you to be able to be legitimate when you're pitching music to film because you did it. <laughs> it's yeah. perfect. We have, we, have, we, have, we, have, we have songs from 1908 and, you know, Crazy. four string banjo, tuba, euphonium. So, wow. uh, yeah, that kind of keeps my catalog going with that kind of stuff well it's uh, it's a whole new age for us and i know that we've gotten into it but it's sort of exciting to me and you mentioned fun man we're not having fun i'll tell you what no record i ever made that that uh that got me further along the way what didn't have fun written all over it and we had a good time oh yeah when i watch you when i watch you play you know and you get up there and you get that and you start that little strolling thing across the stage and you get on there with your wawa
I mean, there's a joy in that, you know, <laughs> and if, I, and the audience, the audience feels it. Well, so. it's the reason, you know, it's funny. I love writing songs so much, but I love writing songs. And if I can't go out and play them for people, then I don't yeah. know if I'd love it. I, it's a one-two punch for me. So, I, And I love the recording process. Believe it or not, um, sometimes even when it's pulling, well, I don't, I don't allow myself to, like to make it feel like you're pulling teeth anymore i just don't do don't do it so it's got to feel good so after all this time put in every step along the way has to feel easy to me and that is fun you know you know what yeah I'm saying? yeah or it's too Absolutely. much work if it's too much work then it's then the listener's gonna feel like it's too much work it's got to just be natural and honest yeah I always say use Absolutely. The word honest. Well, yeah. Denny, I can't thank you enough for taking a Mississippi Minute with me. I am going to come down eventually and record in your studio. It's going to happen. Stormstudios.com, oh, right? Stormstudio.com. Stormmusicstudio.com. Oh, Stormmusicstudio.com. Stormmusicstudio.com. One more time for my listeners. Stormmusicstudio.com. you got to hang on sure. the beach and make great music. Uh, we've Absolutely. been with the great Denny LaRue. Denny, I appreciate you taking the Mississippi Minute with me, an entire one. And I miss you, pal. I appreciate you. Hey, sounds great. It was wonderful to talk to you. You too, buddy. Bless you. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.